Welcome to this episode of Scale as Needed, guys. You're just calling it Scale as Needed today? I, you I don't have yeah. a creative name Phoenix for it. Rises. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything good for it. Uh, but we've been gone for a while. We have been. And we have a lot to talk about. Do we? I don't know. I've just been kind of sitting around scratching my ass for two weeks. Armin, I assume you've been doing the same. I've been keeping tabs on you. I have, but just in general, generally different places, different locales than than usually. Oh, really? I, I mean, that. your living room, your bedroom, the back patio, all yes, three of those locales you scratch your ass? Bedrooms, back patios, but none of which have been in Austin, Texas. Oh, I've also been scratching the cliff's ass, just for the record. That's it. I can't reach every little corner and crevice there. Chase helps me out. Chase like 20 is, bucks an hour. It's Chase not is bad. a true homie. Not bad money. Wow, he pays you to do that? For sure, bro. Wow. That's exciting. I went to ass scratch in school. Nice. That's your uh, That's your little hashtag at chubbier underscore Noah hashtag oh, well. ass scratching school. I would have never suspected someone thought just by my voice that I am a chubbier Noah Noah Olson. I'm not sure what that actually means either, by the way. Like, I don't, I don't mean know. That, like, wait, wait. I missed all this. Someone on Instagram, I, I showed, so uh, Cross Me Akaru had like a little competition, team competition. I, I stopped in there yesterday morning before the Rogue event started just so I could stop by and say what's up to everybody. And uh, Chase was working out. And after he was done working out, he did like a little shimmy shimmy dance for my Instagram. And someone messaged me and said, man, I always pictured Chase to be kind of like a chubbier Noah based off his voice. But... Uh, I've, I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's, yeah. you know, he's well, compa- dark hair, dark eyes, tan. Way taller and skinnier. I mean, compared to Noah, you look like taller. a basketball player. It's like Noah is <laughs> short and thick. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Noah, if you want to create a basketball team, I will gladly be on that team. I'll you, be your center. Yeah, you would be the center. In a team of competitive CrossFit athletes, you'd definitely be the tallest guy there. <laughs> it's me and Asia Barto in the middle. Everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Our one hope is Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we assume he knows how to play basketball, probably. Oh, 100%. I'm just assuming. I'm pretty sure I've seen him dunk before. For sure. Can you dunk? Not at this current moment. You know he has long arms Come because on. the arm bend on his snatch is insane. You're telling me you can't dunk a basketball? I've never tried. I'm a wrestler, man. That's we stayed away from basketball courts. Yeah, because my my hand. Blow-ny. Well, my hand-eye coordination is terrible. Like I'm not a ball sport player because I don't know where the ball at is at in relation to my body in space. Like I'll be That's like here, legit. and it's like way over there. Or I'll be like, catch, and it's already hit me in the face. That's funny because <clears throat> I, I have the same problem. No hand-eye coordination. And yet, instead of doing a sport as a child that did not require hand-eye coordination, I played baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't work out very well for me. You're in high school, so hard to be American. In high school, yeah. In high school, I ended up just getting into like running because that requires nothing mm-hmm. but, but you know, self-hate. You know? And I had oh, yeah. plenty of that, like everyone mm-hmm, else in mm-hmm, high school. Mm-hmm. You say running was the first thing I ever got into seriously and probably for the same reason. I tried baseball. I tried basketball. I tried soccer. All those things. All those ball sports. I was just kind of sitting around daydreaming on the court and then suddenly the ball would come into my proximity and then I'd either kick it or grab it and toss it at the nearest basket, whichever one it was. That'd be about <laughs> all I would do there. And uh, even in football. that didn't work out for me. Yeah, pretty They're much. Like, you can't pass it. You're a, you're a lineman. What are you trying to do? <laughs> like, why did mm-hmm. you take the ball Fumble! from your own yeah. quarterback? Well, no, I, I, no, I did. I did play football for one year in junior high and pretty much safety. 
Uh, no, no, I was, I was, I was the, I was the, I was, uh, <laughs> I was the various lineman type roles, obviously. But keep in mind, I was younger than everybody by a year in junior high, so I wasn't very good. I was small, and my balls hadn't dropped yet. I had no the same thing. Mm-hmm. I had the same thing. Mm-hmm. My brother always tells me because I was, I was a year younger than everybody in my in my school as well. My brother always tells me that, like in terms of my hand-eye coordination his theory is that the reason why i never got good hand-eye coordination is because i was smaller than everybody so i never like participated in any ball sports to which i i remind him that i played like nine years of little league baseball and he's like that doesn't that doesn't count that's not real that's not a real sport and i was like you're right baseball is not a real sport i was uh i was pretty good at football not like like catching or anything but as tackling, it was, it was mainly, and you guys could probably guess this, but I was like willing to put my brain at risk to make big hits. Exclusively tackling with the crown of your head. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's how you make really painful hits. And like, that was my thing. I was like, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit that person as hard as I physically possibly can with no regard to my well-being. And then I got worse at football because in high school, I was like, I could really hurt myself. And I don't know how many more brain cells I have left. Like, I'm maybe two or three hits away from, like, forgetting my entire name and my mother's face. Did you guys have those, uh, <laughs> did you guys have those, those athletes? I feel like everyone who played any sort of, like, little league sport or played any sort of, like, uh, usually junior high. Because in high school, it tends to even out. Everyone kind of hits puberty around mm-hmm. oh, sophomore, yeah. junior year. And you're just kind of, like, it just makes sense. Varsity, JV type thing. But it, I feel like in middle school and junior high and in non-school sports in that age, there's always that one guy who definitely hit puberty way earlier than everybody else. Or and, was held back. And everyone, don't, don't forget held back a year. And everyone knew them and was fucking terrified of playing against them well, and, well th- yeah think of the think of the incentives in high school re- in junior high and high school really who's the coolest kid in your junior high class the kid who got held back a year he's older than everybody he's stronger than everybody more mature he's the cool guy yeah. even though he's the dummy apparently who's the least cool person fucking the youngest the youngest has to lie about their age. I lied about my age for most of elementary and junior high school. I never just lied. to hide the fact that I was a year younger than everybody. I was mm-hmm. uh, I was the youngest in my class, but I was like I was one of those kids that just hit like way <laughs> earlier. Like I went through several levels of like puberty. So like first I was just like I guess I'm 200 pounds now, guys, and we're in middle school. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool, and then I stayed that weight. Uh, but we had one of those dudes too, and he was I swear in middle school he had to be a had to have been like 17 in middle school. That's <laughs> how I felt. I remember uh, when I was playing Little League, uh, we had a guy, a pitcher, who we would go up against who at, I was like I was 11, maybe, and he was throwing like 75-mile-an-hour fastballs. <laughs> <laughs> his name was Trevor Bell. It was, it was like the Cobra Kai situation. Like his dad was the head coach of the team he was on. He was like this, this, you know, he was like a foot and a half taller than everybody else. Little League, by the way, as a child, you feel like the mound is, is 150 feet away from, from, uh, from uh, where you're batting, but uh, it's not. It's really fucking close. So when you're, when you're that tall and you can just whip that type of energy into the ball, it was like legit terrifying to try and bat against this guy because I couldn't even hit like a 40 five mile per hour like you know lobbed over by the machine at the batting cages and this kid was like like literally throwing fireballs at at uh at children 
I don't know what ended up with him, but I, honestly, my guess is he probably was was uh, drafted into into the minor leagues. My guess is he probably played in the minor leagues. I don't, I don't feel like baseball is as dangerous a sport to have someone that's like either held back or overly developed. Like the worst thing he's going to do is like peg some eleven year olds with the ball, right? But this kid in middle school, they need like, bruises to oh, develop. Oh, in the foot in like football or he was ending kids' mental yeah, development yeah, that's right bad. there. That's he was really like, bad. that was probably the ultimate like payback for him. He's like, I'm slow and I'm gonna make you all <laughs> slow with me. I hit hard, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah, man. <sighs> I'm gonna be honest, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little retarded. Joe Rogan was definitely one of those kids. Joe Rogan looks like the adult version of every one of those kids. He <laughs> puberty way early. You know, uh, you know, giant head, very jacked and athletic, but stops at five seven. Yeah. Uh, well, when you extend puberty by forty years by taking TRT and HGH, Ooh, oh yeah, uh-huh, it, it uh-huh. really, you know, the fifth puberty you go through. <laughs> Really changes a man. You look at those early Fear Factor episodes. He's an he's adult. So there. Tiny. He, he's an adult. He's thirty. He's he's like mid thirties then or something. Or not mid thirties. He's like yeah, yeah mid thirties and with Fear Factor. Tiny head, skinny neck, skinny neck none yeah. of that. The structure of his skull changed because of HGH and uh, testosterone. And if that's not a resounding endorsement for HGH and testosterone, let me tell you what is a resounding endorsement for HGH and testosterone. Over this weekend, Arnold Schwarzenegger was fucking drop kicked <laughs> by some guy in South Africa, and he didn't budge an inch he took like a half step forward and he was like i just thought i got jostled by somebody in the crowd and didn't realize that someone literally had a running running start start, jumping drop kick to his back Uh uh if that is not a fucking endorsement for what testosterone and steroids and hgh can do for you that man is 71 71 been taking steroids since he was 15 a regular 71 year old would have been Dusted. Just, <laughs> that's it. He's done. Just Put a fork in him. Drop kick and then. <laughs> Wait, why? Why? Oh did, God! What happened to Grandpa? Why? Did, why, why did someone drop kick Arnold? Some <laughs> crazy guy, basically. Yeah, it looked like. I there don't are know, a I lot don't. of mentally ill people in this world, Chase. God, thank God he didn't shoot. That's like straight up death penalty worthy behavior to me. You don't fucking drop kick. Yeah, man. Like a goddamn what is, legend. What has Schwarzenegger done to? I mean, other than maybe his maid. And ex-wife. And his ex-wife. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty. He looked like some guy who was in the background, like, trying to wave to the camera, get attention, and then security guards pulled him away, and then suddenly comes out of nowhere and drop kicks Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's terrible. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I want to know what his mental, like, breakdown was. He's like, I'm pissed. I'm a drop kick that machine. The Terminator. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drop kick him. Yeah. Terrible idea. Lucky for he's us. He's lucky he's alive. Lucky for us, Schwarzenegger and, and his 71-year-old bionic body is apparently more bolder than man at this point so he's just an immovable object it's fantastic it's entirely possible arnold schwarzenegger is not real either just based off the the text change uh strand that we had earlier this week about the ai voice yeah the oh. rogan the rogan ai thing that i'm thing, not convinced anyone's real at this point at this point yeah now that we know that technology is possible now that whole simulation universe thing seems way more plausible the problem is there is, whole people <laughs> and whole cities that may exist only on instagram the the i i would yes there are definitely people who those, only exist on those instagram. people would be easy to flag though if, if those were robot people, because every time you talk to them, all they would say is like motivational bullshit filler from Instagram. Like, yeah, 
you know, I just kept looking up and every day putting in work and like it would be easy to Hashtag catch. Hashtag grinding. Right? They'd be making up like bullshit. But the people like Rogan and like Armin who do podcasts every week and other videos, there's so much out there that they could be 100% fake. And that's why I'm saying we need to kill Armin. Because <laughs> that motherfucker's a robot. Argument is yes, valid. Yes, yes. I also think Milwaukee is fake. <laughs> That's one of the cities I think I've That's known. Totally fair. I've see, I see lots there. of uh, people t- people <laughs> posting about being in Milwaukee, doing things in Milwaukee. Wayne's World was partly set in Milwaukee, and yet like I don't think place. I don't think I've ever met anyone who was in Milwaukee, grew up in Milwaukee. So that's my candidate for a fake city that only exists online. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys, I uh, I've been traveling a little bit over the past couple weeks. I've been places. I've seen things. Have you, though? A little bit. Where to? Houston, Dallas? I went to Iceland. Holy shit. I went to the land of ice and snow. I fought a giant. I didn't fight a giant. I mean, you kind of fought I a giant. I kind of fought a giant. I was there for the Reykjavik CrossFit Championships. A bunch of shit happened. I did videos about that anyway. Mm-hmm. The most awesome thing I ever did, ever, ever, I did while I was in Iceland. I picked you, up the goddamn Husafell stone. You guys. sure as hell did, Armin. Holy you sure shit. as hell did. And that this, is redemption. This that is, is really important to me. This mm-hmm. is very mm-hmm. fucking important to me. For multi, multi, there, there are levels to this thing. First of all, both of you were there the first time we went out to the Husafell stone. Oh yeah, because correct. we were there about a year and a half ago in January of eighteen uh, for a documentary called Armin versus Iceland, which you cannot watch because it's behind a paywall and you probably are never going to pay that money to watch it. But either way, the gist of it was that I was going to take on the best and the worst of Iceland and see if I could, I could come out on top. And it was like the weather, the food, the athletes, the history. I lost on every fucking count. Annie Thor's daughter beat me at a workout. I couldn't handle the fermented shark cause it was disgusting. Uh, the weather was getting to you. The weather was really fucking killing me because it was like 22 hours of darkness and mm-hmm. it was below freezing every day constantly. It had to basically skate across an ice skating rink in order to get to the Husafell Stone. Well, it was like 100 yards of ice skating rink amidst <laughs> obstacles and yeah. slopes in order to finally find so, the Husafell Stone. Husafell is is a tiny, 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 t- I mean, triple-digit population at most I would be shocked if it was more than 200 people that live there. I'd be shocked if it was more than 100. Because it really is just a staging facility for like glacier explorations in Mm -hmm. Iceland. And it's not even the most popular tourist spot in Iceland. So it's a little bit out of the way. But there's a farm there. And on that farm is this like really old pen, sheep's pen, that's made of local stones that uh, thousands of years ago or whatever, I don't know, like a thousand years ago or 800 years ago, uh, locals kind of like carried all these stones and put them together. And there's one stone that was used as the door, and that is the Husafell stone. I just want to point out to folks, that's how strong Icelanders are, where it's like, yeah, we could make our sheep's pen out of wood, but instead we're going to carry 400-pound stones and line them up and make a fence out of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and the Husafell stone is part of like this series of of legendary stones in Iceland that are used for like uh, strength testing. And if you've seen the documentary by Rogue, it's fantastic. Full Sturker, I think, is how you pronounce it. It's basically about 
this like series of stones. And the Husfeld stone is one of them that's only meant really for carrying. It, it you don't even get points for picking it up off the floor. The mm. the three levels of it are carry it a little distance, carry it a slightly further distance, or carry it an even further distance than that. And those are those are the things you get credit for. But everyone I, I imagine kind of overlooks the fact that this thing's like a four hundred and twenty pound stone and it is not particularly kind or gentle on people trying to pick it up it's like dumbbell bench presses getting the dumbbells into position is the hard part doing reps after that is easy once you get the stone <laughs> up relate. walking walking a few steps is no problem uh and so when we showed up there it was january it was dark we we picked our window so there was a little bit of light but we showed up in the middle of a fucking blizzard and the stone itself was literally frozen solid into the ground can't confirm that thing was not coming out of the ground. So I told this story to everyone. Okay. Loki agrees. Good job, guys. We're safe. Are we safe? We're safe. All right. Nobody murdered us. Good job, everybody. Thank the assassins God. have fled. Thank uh, you, Sonny. So I, I told this story to everyone while I was in Iceland. I told it to the other athletes that were there who we were hanging out with. I told it to the event organizers. I told it to the Icelandic people and the non-Icelandic people uh, similarly. And everyone had the same reaction. And that reaction was, there's no fucking way you're, you're picking up that rock. <laughs> and here's really what I hurtful. did. Here's what I did. I Arya Starked it and remembered all their names. That's, mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. But secondarily, I, uh, I reached out to my strongman friends. And I asked them, how do I pick up this stone? So at first I reached out to Kale Beck. Kale Beck, starting mm -hmm. Strongman. You know, very great resource if you're looking into learning more about Strongman or keeping track of Strongman. He's, he does a lot of, of like what I do with like the news stuff uh, if, of CrossFit. He does it for Strongman and he does programming and he does like technique analysis and, and he stuff. competes. So, and, he, and he competed. And he has a great haircut. He has great hair, Wolverine style hair. Anyway, so uh, I, I, I asked Kale. I was like, Kale... Uh, how big of a deadlift do I need to pick this thing up? Like, cause you know, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I used to be able to pick, pull like maybe 520, 525, but I can't pull that now. And so I was like, realistically speaking, how big of a pull do I need? And he's like, well, your pull's really important, but really positioning is going to help you. Like being leaner than a fat deadlifter or a fat strongman or a fat powerlifter might actually help you because you might be able to get your hands around it more. But really the, the tough part is if you're picking it up traditionally, you have to like row it into your chest and keep it glued to your chest and then almost like good morning it up. Right? Oh, yeah. Like you're kind of like getting it into that, that position and standing up from there. And I was like, well, there's no fucking way that I'm going to be able to do that because I can't row 400 pounds and I can't hug 400 pounds. So, uh, that was out the window. However, I knew something that no one else on the face of the planet knew. Leifa Ingalls. Oh. One of the world's strongest women, I think winner of world's strongest woman in like 2017, maybe 2018. Leifa Ingalls, unbeknownst to anyone else on the face of the planet outside of maybe three or four other people, had gone to Iceland a week and a half before me. Oh. And picked up the Husafell stone, the first woman to ever do it. And ever. Shorter, and really? One arm. Circus yeah, and then one arm circus dumbbell pressed it, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, so I asked her, I was like, Leifa, I know that you've done this. Uh, she hadn't released it yet. Since then, she's released like photos of her doing it. 
I was like, how, how did you manage this? Like, you know, I've, I've seen, I, I know for a fact you can, and I'm not as strong as you are, but our strength levels are much more comparable than mine and fucking half Thor Bjornsson's. Mm-hmm. So she goes, she's like, first step, be strong. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> first step, you're fucked. No, <laughs> she was actually very, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, she was a she was a great coach. She basically sent me a series of photos of her lift of the Husfeld stone, describing the technique she used, treating it more like an atlas stone. And if you watch the video, that's kind of you know she 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 told me like, listen, it's it's easier to pick it up this way. It's slightly harder to walk with it this way, but it's easier to pick it up this way because you're lever- leveraging it onto your lap using your knees as a fulcrum. And I was like that. Is fucking genius. Like this, I can do. Like hundred percent, I knew I could do it. And then I showed up, and I was like, I can't fucking do this because I tried to pick <laughs> it up and it would not fucking budge. Like it just wasn't moving. And so, uh, you know, I was lucky enough. Justin was there. Uh, he he had driven out with me, and uh, you know, we tried it a bunch of times. I kept failing it, and then I was like. Uh, I just have to keep fucking trying this. So I, I reoriented it. It was actually on its on the wrong side. So yeah. I, I flipped it over and I was able to pick it up. Exactly. I stood up with it. You stood up with it. Doesn't look like the best position for like running around doing laps with no. it. But no. getting that up there, getting the small end, wedging the big end against your knees, lifting up the small end there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it was super impressive. And now, now I want to go to Iceland again to see if I can try. I, honestly, I felt like... Uh, uh, it was it was a big like the standing up with it like holding it and standing up with it was like tough but not as tough as I expected it to be. Once you get it off the floor, it actually felt really movable. Uh, finding a good position, I didn't even consider trying to find a position to carry it. So yeah. finding a good position to carry it, I was like, no, that's there's I, what am I gonna do? Fucking twist it while it's on my lap? Like well, yeah. we'll figure this out later. You just inver- lean back. You go inverted. Keep it, keep it on your stomach as you lean back. Like so yeah, a strongman. I found my, uh, I, I found my redemption, guys. I went back. Hell yeah! The Hughesville Stone was not frozen into the ground. I'm, I'm Armin Poino Web Redemption. That's right. That was yeah. a legit Web Redemption. It was amazing. I feel really good about it. It was dope. So cool. I got hyped. Yeah. I, I, uh, I followed that up. By the way, the following weekend. By going to CrossFit HQ and interviewing Greg Glassman. So it's like yeah, so strange. What? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is a web redemption on so many different levels here. Now, this is the one I'm actually curious about because I've not talked to you about that. What is... Whoa! Dogs are also very curious Assassins about are coming! Get them, guys. Get them. You know, I'm not going to stop the dogs from barking because yesterday was Loki's fifth birthday. And so oh, yeah, Loki. if she wants to wild out... Mm-hmm. Then wow, she, wow. she should. Ooh, one of the reasons you guys should see John Wick three is there's some good, so some excellent dog action in there. Dogs yeah. versus assassins. You know, I love that stuff. dog action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm all mm-hmm. about that action, you remember, boss. You remember once upon a time we went to CrossFit HQ together to interview in Greg Glassman. I do remember we went to mm. CrossFit HQ together, and uh, he was unavailable for interviews. Mm. In fact, I, I even brought all my shit to his house. And I was like, hey, uh, can I get an interview? And he was like, whatever you want, Armin. And he's like, there's some baller-ass tacos outside and drinks, though. Yeah. And I'm lit. <laughs> and you're like, oh. He's like, whatever you want, Armin, but I'm going to have another drink and, and a taco first. And I was like, we're not getting this interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me, three tacos deep and yeah. six drinks deep. It's just not happening. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
So what's the what what is the story behind this new opportunity to visit HQ and interview Greg Glassman? How'd you so get there? Uh, not too long ago, I got a call from. Uh, I basically got like a, a call that was like, "Hey, Greg wants to talk to you tomorrow." I was like, "Okay, I'll I'll set some time aside, like no problem." It might have even been Greg wants to talk to you within an hour, whatever. So wait, you and were already was, what, what were you already that doing? Was, down no, no, this there. was oh. this was this was weeks and weeks ago. Oh, okay, okay. So I got this call, and that call was when uh, he sort of broke the news that uh, CrossFitters are going to be able to wear whatever shoes they want at ah, the games. Okay, okay. And the tail end of that conversation was, "Hey, we're having another one of these MDL ones and another one of these." Uh, DDCs, so you should come back out to HQ, and it's in May. And I was like, great, I'll I'll definitely do that. I mean, if there's no sanctioned event going on, I'll I'll be there. And so they uh, they they did the same thing they did last time. They kind of confirmed the dates with me, um, and then got me out there. They they paid for the flights and the hotels, same thing as they did previously uh, for myself and Chase. And uh, uh, we attended the 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 format was a little bit different. They've like really sharpened it. Uh, feels a lot more professional than it did the first time that we were out there. But uh, yeah, they, they did another MDL one. They did another derelict doctors conference and uh, the second day had no scheduled activities. So I went mountain bike riding, totally fucking biffed it and ate it like front flipped over mm, down, shit, down a hill. Yeah, yeah. Like my arm is all scratched up and oh, I had shit. like a bruise yeah. on my hip and shit. Um, but I survived. That's why you don't go mountain biking. And uh, while I was on the, like I'd, come off the mountain and I was like waiting. I was like, I wonder if everybody else maybe went up for a second loop and like my phone buzzed and I picked it up and it was like, Greg's going to be at the office in 20 minutes. Are you available for an interview? And I was like, peace bitches. And I just like put my shit back and like rode the bike as hard Immediately as I could. Immediately biffed it again. <laughs> uh, which oh. by the way, I had a, I, I was using, I'd rented like a $6,500 mountain bike that had a, had a, a electric motor in it where it's pedal assisted. So when you pedal, the motor kicks in and it like, gives you a little bit more juice that's just cheating it was awesome i i <laughs> clocked myself going like 22 miles an hour on flats on a fucking street and i know that because you know those like you're going you're like radar speed yeah i got i got flashed by one of those just going down like some some residential streets oh wait and i wasn't trying it was just fucking pedaling oh, normally yeah, and it was just fucking going it was great it was fantastic and so that's the bike that I flipped over, by nice. the way, in case you're wondering. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so then I, I showed up to HQ and uh, we had been talking about doing an interview. We had scheduled it for the previous day, but the schedules had changed like, during the during the day. He wanted to attend part of the conference or he wanted to go home or something. So we couldn't get together. One of those two. And then um, so Sunday we got together and he was like, uh, first we went into the, his, his office upstairs at, at HQ and the sound was kind of like not great because it, it's really echoey. It's like this big open office and like glass, uh, you know, windows and mm -hmm. fucking wood wood uh, paneling everywhere. So the sound reflects and all the dead bodies. All the well, the dead bodies would absorb the sound. Well, they you were just think. skeletons, right? It was right now. It's but they're skeletons. It's just skeletons. So, so they're, just reflect they're reflecting the all the sound. So uh, I was like, hey, why don't we go down into the studio? Like, why don't you why don't you show me Grandma's house? And we can do the interview there. And so that's what we did. We went down to Grandma's house, to the studio, uh, which they've updated. It's a little bit different than it was previously. Now there's like a kitchen mm -hmm. and like a fake front door. And Still a lot of antifreeze. Lots of mm -hmm. antifreeze. And which brings uh, up actually the most interesting thing I've heard from uh, from the Greg Glassman interview. 
which was uh, apparently that the videos of old people doing things like lifting jugs and stuff actually is working. Some Hard old to believe. people are actually doing that. Hard to believe that if you just show a, a population a reflection of themselves, they would actually believe that they can do the thing that you're asking them to do. So the old people previously weren't motivated by seeing Matt Fraser's 315-pound snatch? Hard to believe, again, but no. Quantity of 80-year-old grandmas motivated across the by that. They don't uh. deserve to be fit anyways. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting experience. So we we chatted for a little under half an hour, maybe like 25, 26 minutes. Dope. And uh, talked, you know, Glassman is is a tough interview for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because he generally talks about what he wants to talk about, regardless of the question that you're asking him. So he's very difficult to corral. He's very he doesn't ever really get cornered. Um, I think a big part of that is because he he just doesn't really have like a care in the world when it comes to that type of an interaction you know so when someone asks him something if he doesn't particularly want to answer it it's really no sweat off his back to like just redirect and talk about what he wants to talk about and so uh you'll see in the in that interview if, if you watch it or listen to it or whatever you know he he definitely has an angle of things that he wanted to talk about and it was it was an interesting time we i kind of like about an hour before he was supposed to be talking to the MDL one crew. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting sort of segment of the L one. Cause he comes in and sometimes he'll talk for 20 minutes and sometimes he'll talk for like an hour and a half. And, you know, he just kind of goes into whatever stories are, you know, topical for what he's covering in terms of CrossFit health right there. Same dog that day. Right. Same, same. And so, uh, he, he was almost like warming up for that. So I, I tried to use the first half of that conversation and just kind of, let the CrossFit health stuff happen, right? Because I knew that he was going to talk about it. There's no way that I was going to be able to sit there and immediately jump into a bunch of games shit because he doesn't care. <laughs> so uh, we talked a lot, a lot and about... I could see in his face in the reaction to the video, as soon as you started talking about game stuff, he, was he, looked, he looked a little disappointed yeah, in you. Yeah, he was just he was he was totally a little disappointed out. in you for asking such questions. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing about him um, is that he's a really smart dude in that he can see connections between things way further out than than I'd say a normal person would. Like he can kind of see the relationships between what many people would consider disparate um, in in far in advance of whatever trends are, are going on right now. And so it's hard to bet against somebody like that who has that type of like a, a way forward thinking um, way of sort of like seeing things, that type of a vision. And I don't really know what the end result of this health thing is. You know, the affiliate numbers are not exploding. It's not like new affiliates are opening every, you know, like thousands and thousands of them like they were a few years ago. And in fact, some of the biggest markets that they're moving into are, are I either have some sort of like a parity of, of affiliate growth or even sometimes shrinking. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I also don't know. And I've to, I've said this directly to to Greg, I, I don't I don't know if it fucking matters. Like HQ could disappear, and what's happening with 
the games and what's happening with competitive CrossFit and what's happening with CrossFit at all of our normal gyms would probably not shift in the fucking slightest. Pretty much. I think the guiding hand of Glassman just from the top down tends to affect the tone and direction of programming and stuff a little bit. All this strict gymnastic stuff, all of that's been popping up on main site. I'm mm-hmm. feeling that those will just create trends that'll uh, move, you know, Absolutely. Pr- spread through the community. But yes, for the most part, I agree with you there. Some of the in- interesting things that I learned um, while I was out there was, you know, I, I, I heard a story that Justin Berg, who's the general manager of the CrossFit Games, he apparently keeps very detailed notes of their meetings and apparently has detailed notes from like 2011 or 2012 of Greg Glassman presenting to the games team the exact same issues that he had with the CrossFit Games last year. Mm-hmm. And saying in eleven and twelve, in eleven and twelve, and saying, "Hey guys, just when the operation was just kind of ramping up, absolutely. starting." And he was saying the direction that this is going in is going to cause a lot of major problems in X, Y, and Z. It's like it's going to cost a lot of money. We're not going to get a lot of return out of it. We're going to be ignoring a really important part of the population that should be embraced by us. Like you know, there's there's all these things that apparently that he laid out, and now. You know, he, he he kind of also alluded to this really interesting dynamic. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's controversial to say that Dave Castro and, and Justin Berg weren't and maybe aren't particularly happy with the direction of the changes because it really affected what their day to days look like. And I think just the silence that we have out of Dave Castro over the past year has been a good marker of that. Mm. Um, and I don't know what their relationships are like now. I mean, Castro was there over the weekend and he seemed like he was in pretty good spirits with everybody. Um, but it, it was, it was interesting because Glassman alluded to this, this idea that for years he had basically been promised that once things settled down, once the sport was built up, once the engine was there, uh-huh. he would be given the, the, the room to do what he wanted to do. Mm. And he was like, you don't understand you're doing my will like you work for me to execute what i want you to execute it's not the other way around i'm not waiting for you to give me a budget to do this i'm gonna find and make the company that i want it to be and so you know he he kind of halfway sideways told the story of being told like, yeah, your, your time will come. Like we'll have the room for you to do what you want to do. And he was like, I'm not waiting. You guys are just going to do what I want you to do. And if you don't want to be a part of that, you know, if our visions aren't aligned, then, then you guys have to go. Mm. And so I think there's, there's a little bit of like, I don't, I won't call it like political bullshit, but it kind of feels a little bit like political bullshit. And that's honestly, bound to happen you know you have a lot of big egos you have one person who has a lot of power and all the control versus another person or a team of people who have a lot of power and a big part of the company you know the 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 fact is uh some of the numbers that i heard like hq was spending uh like the games were were in terms of staffing and spending more than half of its annual budget and staffing yeah and bringing in like less than a third of -hmm. its return and so um you know i i don't know if there's there's a lot of different factors that were that were going on and so there's like it's interesting because when you get glassman talking like he lets out stuff like that 
right? Like little tidbits and you're like, I want to talk about that again. And then it's like, you know, three yeah, minutes later, he said he said 15 mm-hmm. other things and suddenly it's it's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I like it's interesting thinking about in 2011 and 12, he was identifying these problems. And then to think what the what where would we be now if basically the strategy that's been implemented now was implemented then we'd have a robust uh, robust set of sanctionals all over the Absolutely. place. Absolutely. There's that already the, a robust set of sanctions. Yeah, it, within less than a year, that has arisen. But think of how much robuster they'd be. It'd be the you most know, robustfulness this, I've it's, ever it's seen. It's like, you know, like rock-solid robustness. Toss it off a mountain, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's I good. Mean, yeah. can survive the heat of a dying star. Uh, and you wouldn't be uh, have people all sorts of pissed off because, hey, why'd you fucking fire the games media team? Hey, why'd you fucking get rid of all these people? Because yeah. they wouldn't have been hired in the first place. Yeah, they hadn't right. so no, no one, uh-huh. yeah. So just, you know, cutting your losses, ripping the Band-Aid off, whatever kind of, you know, whatever analogy you want to use. It's like the Civil War, I think. Back in the Revolutionary uh, War, back when the Constitution was being formed, there was debate. It's, Slavery, probably not good. We're going to end it eventually. Guys, let's just officially start the country off with no slavery. And the uh, the faction in the South was like, no, 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 we need to keep slavery. It's like, guys, this is going to cause problems down the line. Sure enough, it did cause problems down the line a bit and was a big disaster and a lot of people were upset about it just like the CrossFit Games. So what am I saying? Am I comparing Dave Castro and the media team to Southern slaveholders? No. But you can understand the analogy. Like it sounded like you might have. It sounded like you might have said that. And I'm trying to really ride that analogy as far as fucking possible because I really want to see how deep that thing goes. So Dave Castro is Robert E. Lee. Sick. Uh yeah, so think of the Treaty of Versailles. Oh God, I was when the Treaty you of Versailles, out. I was giving you a way out. <laughs> when the Treaty of Versailles was signed after World War II, people realized that the Treaty of Versailles is kind of unfair to some of these countries, and it's gonna cause problems down the line. And everyone kind of realized that had they adju- made the adjustments, then been less disaster down in the future. But everyone was like, "Yeah, let's just move forward with the Treaty of Versailles." Sure enough, problems arose. Lot you know this had is, to rip the bandaid this off. Is, uh, <laughs> this reminds me of of uh, the Rick and Morty episode uh, Vindicators, yeah. where where one of the answers to like the the jigsaw esque puzzles is Israel, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's just something that Rick talks about sometimes. And he's like, see, wait, wait, how do I how do I talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> you just get drunk and you ramble on for no reason, talking about nothing. And he's like, see, I don't talk about it in any weird way. I just just. I'm just talking about it like a normal drunk way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, let's we'll just we'll just skip over all those analogies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we also I I, I personally got Hunter McIntyre invited to the CrossFit Games. Yeah, oh, I saw that. That's so, live uh, on fucking camera, uncut, uncut. So um, that that's that is 100 official. I th- yeah, I official. think a lot of people oh watch God, that and we're just like. Oh, he said it is probably whatever, but that that's that's as good as getting him. That's Hunter McIntyre has a spot at the CrossFit Games, and the flight is paid for. Basically, yes. That is goddamn beautiful. And you know what? Given given historically how that first day, first couple days CrossFit Games are going, he's gonna kill that shit. There's probably gonna be an obstacle course. There's probably gonna be some running. (laughs) So I I actually I did a couple things. I uh, I got Hunter that spot at the CrossFit Games. I reached out afterwards to the games team contacts that I have. And I was like, Hey, you know, 
when can I see sort of like a, an official announcement of this? Like, when are you guys going to put it on your Instagram or on the page or whatever? Like, <laughs> like we're not. And uh, the answer was the answer was Greg announced it on it during that interview with you. So that's it. It is what it is. Like Greg said that he's in and he's in. So that's the that's the invite. I was like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> because on the other hand, a lot of athletes. I, I first of all that that portion of the interview was probably the part that got the most oh for sure most feedback because sure, i got um 25 text messages why, and Instagram why so messages. much why so much hate from other athletes um the the overall gist of i would say sort of like the feeling behind it is that it would make like a mockery of what the games were in fact quote from a very famous crossfitter quote uh, it used to mean something to make it to the CrossFit Games. And I was like, you're just being a real fucking old man, dude. Like, you're being a very old man right now, but that's fine. I mean, it's your purview to be an old man in this situation, but that's fine. Uh, and that, I think, is the general gist of it. The it gist is, is it's, yeah. it used to be... It's different. It's a different thing. Uh, what, what is the name for this invite? It's a weird... It's the. Uh, it's wild. called the Blowhard. The Blowhard card. invite. That's it. But it's technic- in, the, in the rules, it's listed as a wild card, but Greg Glassman refers to it as the Blowhard card. It is very much a lose-lose for all the existing athletes. Basically, if they beat Hunter, supposed to beat Hunter. If they lose to Hunter, he's going to talk shit forever. And that's the thing. Hunter, it's, like, it's like trying to fight a girl. There's no way to win. Absolutely either not. You'll, either, yes, you beat her. You're a dude, or obviously. You or, she has a dick. or, yeah, or, yeah, or she kicks your ass, which Thinking is the outside the box. <laughs> Thinking outside the box. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the thing is, like, the first few days at the CrossFit Games, first couple days at the CrossFit Games this year, are going to be pretty, I, I'm pretty bloody, I think is a good, like, pretty savage. We're going to have... 100 plus national champions showing up that have no fucking business competing against Matt Fraser and they're going to do one workout and it's going to be like see you next year Moldova have a good flight I hope you enjoy fucking Madison Wisconsin for the next week or whatever Um, but the the fact is Hunter is going to beat 95% of national champions he's going to absolutely destroy the field at the events that he's incredibly good at and he's going to place last in events that are mainly barbell based. Yeah. And that's it, it is what it is. And he's under no false pretenses that it's going to be any different than that. I, I think he just understands what his strengths are and is like, you know, I'm the perfect wild card for for a competition like this. Not because I'm going to win, but because it, I think I would look at it not necessarily as a lose lose situation for the uh, the games athletes. I would look at it as a uh, win-win-win situation, right? It's like he either comes in, talks mad shit, makes things super entertaining. That's a win. He loses events, which he's definitely going to lose a bunch of events. That's also entertaining because you get to see him like humbled, right? Because people don't like whatever shit talkers for some reason. And by the way, he's not that big of a shit. He's definitely a shit talker, but he's also like, I think if you listen to him, it's hard not to be like endeared by. Yeah, him. he's also really likable. Yeah, and the the third win is that we get to see uh, massive performances out of somebody who otherwise would not be competing at the games. And I think, by the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. Right now, as we're recording, the Rogue Invitational is going on. Hell yeah! 
the game's invite from the Rogue Invitational is going to go to like two people that you've never fucking heard of. Well, Chandler Smith, you've heard of, but on the women's side, is going to go to people. Ooh, is it going to go to Chandler Smith? That was most right? likely, yeah. Awesome. Um, this is Chandler unless Smith he completely symbol. fucking oh, yeah. it between. <laughs> Which now finger and is it? Is it this? It's like his. It's his ring finger. It's the tip finger? of his ring finger. Yeah. Ring finger. So this. Man. Um, yeah, Nuts. if you didn't know that, by the way, Chandler Smith is missing the tip of his ring finger because a siding from a tank crushed it. Which pretty is pretty awesome. Reason. Yeah, that's a yeah. pretty awesome story. Anyway. Um, there's, I don't think there's a more metal way to talk about the, how you lost your finger. The CrossFit that. Games invites are going to go to athletes you've never fucking heard of. And this has happened in multiple sanctioned events. In Italy, the winner uh, of the invite on the women's side, someone nobody had even seen before. She didn't even qu- compete in the open. Mac? At the Mac, n- never fucking heard of these people. Uh, on At uh, Iceland, the women's invite went oh, yeah, again to yeah. an athlete that didn't even do the open. And has had middle of the road regionals performances. And if you're if you're asking me, in terms of those athletes and their competitive worth at the CrossFit Games, Hunter is at least at that level. He's at least a middle of the road regionals athlete. You know what I mean? Like, so the fact of the matter is, he did the open at least. He did the open. And he was top thousand. Well, he was just outside the top thousand this year. And you know, which he, is remarkable. Remarkable considering he can't fucking clean three hundred pounds. Exactly. And he can barely snatch like 220, and he front squats like 315 for a very sloppy max, right? Like, like considering he's nothing but fucking engine and legs mm-hmm. in a in a year that had like toes to bar, double unders, hands strict handstand pushups, handstand like all this shit in it, and he was like, "Yeah, I got that. No, no big deal. Let's do it." Mm-hmm. What the fuck else are you asking for? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. He's not a traditional crossfitter, and I get it. Maybe there are other CrossFit Games athletes who should quote-unquote deserve a spot from within the system but the entire point of these wildcard invites is to bring someone from outside the system and if you want to make an argument that maybe there should be a way for after all the sanctionals are done for the athletes to sort of bring in people that they think deserve to be there i've pitched that I've pitched a, a player's Sorry. vote, and I, I got that from one of the athletes, and I was like, I, I pitched it to the games staff. I said, listen, uh, if I organize it, will you honor it? Like, if I organize a vote, all the male athletes <laughs> get to bring in one male athlete they think should have gotten a spot who, like, just was on the cusp for multiple sanctionals in a row. All the female athletes get to vote in one female athlete who they think should have gotten a spot who was on the cusp, and it's like... There are plenty of athletes who have competed at multiple sanctioned events who are just on the edge of qualifying, who are like veteran CrossFit Games athletes who should technically get a chance to compete at the Games who may not actually make it through any of the sanctioned events. And so, you know, maybe that should be a solution. And they're they're just kind of like, wait, they're sitting on it. They're like, I don't, I don't, they're like, whatever about the idea. And I think that's a pretty cool idea because it's the best of both worlds. But either way, the wild cards as defined by the guy who wants to use it is about bringing in outsiders. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I remember at the fucking 2009 CrossFit games, I was at the CrossFit games in 2009 at the ranch. Greg Glassman came out and said the, the value, the inherent value of our methodology is in other people coming into it and us proving them wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, the the point that CrossFit was trying to make as a strength and conditioning methodology, as a fitness paradigm, was that whatever you're doing that you think works will beat you. 
So yeah. come in and try it. Like come in, bring bring your best to ours. We'll send our best to yours and we'll see who who walks away at the end of the weekend. And that's precisely what this is. The entire point is, and back then there was like arguments that, oh, a good decathlete would be able to show up and beat everybody or, you know, a, a, an NFL safety would show up and after after some training would beat everybody. And maybe, maybe back then, but yeah. even then I think the argument wasn't really that good. And now absolutely not there's zero percent chance a specialist from any sport even a broad sport like decathlon can show up and compete at the highest levels without any training and why not open the doors for other sports to kind of step in and send like a representative or two mm-hmm. to get fucking smashed exactly. or maybe win an i think i think this is how i get to the games man mm-hmm. i think i start training extensively as a strongman and go, then I talk mad shit. Talk mad shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go wrestle every CrossFitter and be like, I've beat all the CrossFitters at wrestling. I should be at the CrossFit Games. Let's do this. And I think the key to, for both you, but also for a hunter in terms of winning the public 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 relations campaign as to why he should be at the Games, he has to earn that blowhard invite. He has to really play it up, his heel status. Talking mad shit about CrossFit, saying how well he's going to do, all that stuff talking mad shit about the CrossFit methodology and all that, such that at the games, it's actually interesting. It's entertaining because when uh, he'll be the heel, so when he does really well, all the CrossFit fans who are pissed off at all his blowhardiness will be like, fuck, no, he's doing well. We don't want that to happen. And then ultimately when he loses some events big time and doesn't finish that well at the CrossFit games, uh, everyone will cheer and say, yeah, the heel gets smashed. So... And I think everyone will be satisfied with that outcome and happy Hunter was there under those circumstances, but only if he talks mad shit, earns that blowhard card on the way there. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see him there. It's going to be awesome. He's mm-hmm. a good dude. Um, and u- ultimately, this just shows you how far the Wadcast bump can take you. Absolutely. We did it, guys. We did it. Mission accomplished. Hunter McIntyre is going mm-hmm. to the CrossFit Games. Yep. People are going to hate. They're going to hate you for that. Did you see the comments that were on the Morning Chalk Ups video on no. YouTube? Holy cow. It's all negative. Well, they're I mean, like, it's YouTube. So. Yeah, but they're all like, nah, this guy doesn't deserve to be there. But what about the... Like, it was just all are the comments at, mean are, people. Are the comments as negative as for the Batwoman trailer? <laughs> There's a trailer for Batwoman? <laughs> I haven't seen the Batwoman trailer. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just don't. I just don't get it. Well, the thing is, people and CrossFit does this to everybody. Uh, it makes you like a, a superiority. You're complex. like a rabid fan of your thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You like you buy into it a ton because of all the positivity it's had for you. So there's a little bit of a superiority com- complex there. There's also this idea of like you have to protect this house. You know, you, you can't let outsiders in. Like when I'm sure I don't know about you, Cliff, but when I first started CrossFitting, nobody fucking knew what CrossFit was, and there was like this weird sort of pride that you had of like being the hipster fitness guy doing exactly. this thing that no one else uh-huh. understood the right? punk rock outsider doing something no one else heard right. of obscure and so there was this protectiveness of the athletes because it was all felt like one very tightly knit community and i think that's kind of the vibe that people are taking on this and i think they need to sort of understand that yes there is something worth protecting we shouldn't just be inviting anybody willy-nilly to come in and compete and uh, the 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 representation of mostly CrossFitters and mostly the best CrossFitters in the world at the games is important and it's valuable. But the games, like the Olympics, is no longer about 
only representing the best of the best. It's about representing a wide swatch of the population among which the best of the best will be. And we've talked about this in the past. You know, if you take gymnastics, for example, if you just took the best gymnasts in the world, the podium at the Olympics and every world championships would just be Americans, American after American after American. And yet that's not the case because the rules are built to stop that. You can only field, you know, two athletes, uh, you know, per uh, per country. The same thing happens in the Olympics if uh, in weightlifting. If, if weightlifting was not built with that type of like parity in mind, China would win every single fucking medal. But there's a limit to how many weightlifters you can send and in which weight classes and in which genders right so the 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 system is not built to be um the system is not built to be exclusive to just the best in the world as it should not be because that's not necessarily what it was even to begin with open regionals games that format wasn't exclusively built to be the best in the world either it was built to be the best within these fake fucking regions that we invented like what the fuck is meridian Right. Like, let's just let's just consider what the <laughs> fuck is Meridian. Meridian is, oh, shit, we have Africa, the Middle East and Europe left over. What the Woo! fuck do we do with them? Well, we can't give Africa their own spot because God knows why we can't give Africa their own spot. We can't give the Middle East their own spot because, you know, there's only like three CrossFit gyms and they're all Europeans that li- that work out there. So we might as well just lump it all together with Europe. Well, we can't call it Europe. Let's just make some shit up. How about mm-hmm. Meridian? Let's call it Meridian. Because it's that, definitely an American idea. You can tell. Absolutely. We're just like, uh, like the, the Amer- America. The I can wrap my r- mind around America. The rest of the world, eh? eh. It's, like, it's like that's. that's it's like yeah. it's like what is the, what is the world? Uh, let's see. There's there's the U.S. And then there's South America, right? Because oh, yeah. Canada and Mexico don't count. There's the U.S. and there's South America. And then there is Asia and Australia. <laughs> and then there's everything in between the U.S., South America, and Asia and Australia. And what, what do you call that? Well, you can't call it the middle of the world. Why don't we have another name for middle of the world? How about Meridian? Let's call it Meridian. Sounds middle good. Middle of the world. Let's do that. That's great. Anyway, so my point is it was all fucking made up to begin with, and it was meant to bring in the best representations from these made-up regions. And now... It's still bringing in the best representations from made-up regions, except those regions are countries. So, what the fuck? I mean, the countries have been much longer established than these fake regions that we started inventing over the past few years anyway. So, And I could kind of see a future in which, much like with many of these Olympic sports, like wrestling, for example, you, know, you often have the case where you know, a tournament that's held in Siberia or in Turkey has a more competitive field in it than the Olympics because you have like the seven best Russians there and the five yes. best Turks yeah. and all that stuff. Often there's a better field of more elite athletes at non-Olympic, non-world championship wrestling events just because that's how it goes. And Same here. I think you might see the best of the best uh, you know, competing against each other in some of these sanctionals or some of these kind of invites or things like that, whereas the, the Olympics equivalent, the CrossFit Games, probably should follow more of that model where there is some equal representation even if every country doesn't have athletes on the highest level and you know what the best part about this is that that a lot of people i think overlook is now that the sanction events are free reign to do and exist how they please guess what that's exactly what's going to happen if you think that there is not going to be a very fucking exclusive very top tier sanction event that's just the best crossfitters in the world competing in classic classic crossfit workouts 
up against one another in a field that is just fucking stacked as if it was like the finals at the CrossFit Games, you're wrong because there's one happening literally right, right, right now. now. Uh-huh. It's on in the background. The fucking Rogue Invitational is happening where if you take 13th, you get an invite to the fucking CrossFit Games. Like, Pretty good deal. So the fact is... Each of these sanctioned events can fill a different void. We have Granite Games, Wadapalooza. You know, these are giant community-built events. We have super exclusive events like Dubai and Rogue Invitational, and we're going to have everything in the middle. You know, it. it, it you're going to get the flavor you want. In the end, people are still using the season, and I, I think the 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 loss here is has been really overblown. Now there are definitely pitfalls. Of course, there are pitfalls, and we've talked about them in the past. You know, you have to make sure that people can watch the events. You have to make sure there are enough spectators to bring, you know, money to the uh, organizers, both in person and online. The way you do that is you have athletes competing. The way you bring the athletes in is by having good sponsors and good sponsorship money. And the way you have good sponsors and good sponsorship money is by having a lot of spectators. So there's like a cycle, a virtuous cycle of shit there. And parts of those things need to still be propped up and still need a lot of help. But at the end of the day. We're going to have 30 fucking sanctionals next year. The Open is probably not going to be sending very many athletes outside of the national champions to the games. And that means the sanctionals are going to be that much more valuable, which means they're going to have more and more top level athletes competing at each one of them, which means that it's going to actually continue building its own vibe, its own its own momentum. And I think that's really important to see because. You know, sometimes you're going to have an event like the Italian showdown where someone you've never fucking heard of who didn't do the Open gets a, a spot at the CrossFit Games. Sometimes you're going to have a spot like the Rogue Invitational where you had like basically the top 10 from the previous two years of the CrossFit Games showing up to compete against each other. I could even imagine down the line various levels of sanctionals. Some of the smaller sanctionals might only invite the top athletes. Some of the larger sanctionals might invite the top three. three. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I could see that for sure. Why the fuck not? They can make it do whatever they want. And I think I think the 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 possibilities here are, are potentially limitless, uh, you know, in, in where they can succeed. And that's something that people need to keep an eye out for. If they want to see more of that shit, then I promise you, you're going to see more of that. And if you don't want to see the other types of sanction events, don't watch the other sanction events. Mm-hmm. Someone else will. It's not that big of a deal. So all that fitness stuff aside, mm. there's a lot of things that have happened in pop culture between the last time we recorded and now. Have they now? I can't think of a one. And and I, I honestly can't remember a lot of them. Uh but I do know that the the largest major disappointment in my entire life so far has been Game of Thrones. <sighs> and I guess well, actually I won't I say have, that because I, I have more complex thoughts than that. But because I, I'll, I, I'll, hear, I'll hear your opinion. I will say this. I will say this. That's probably a little bit wrong of a statement, just an incorrect statement, factually incorrect, because I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because disappointment would mean that I expected better of yeah. it. And I didn't expect better of it. We all knew what we were getting into. Uh and they've delivered precisely what we expected them to deliver. Kind of, kind of, sort of, but not quite. Kind of, sort of, but not quite. I would say the the big development, as a, by the way, this uh, episode, even though it'll be released after the finale comes out, is being recorded before, before the, the finale. finale. But uh, you know, the big moment where Daenerys goes all uh, genocide on everybody is oh, yeah. he, here's what that what here's the bizarre confluence of elements that led to that bizarre thing which made no sense to anybody i believe that george rr R. martin gave david Binoff and uh, whatever weiss uh you know a few years ago he gave them the end game for all the characters what's going to happen in the end and he just wrote down okay and then Daenerys is gonna you know go crazy and burn everyone down in king's landing it's like cool cool they wrote that down then david Binoff and db weiss have had 
two seasons and two years to try to do all the in-between steps to set that up with all their good writing of all these different scenes and sequences and dilemmas and character choices that need to be made where slowly and slowly the values she held earlier are slowly chipped away as she loses more and more of her soul to finally bring her to the point where in King's Landing she would burn everybody. That would be how George R. R. Martin, if he ever finishes the books, would write it. That's what you would need to do in order to make that make sense. Instead, they had a whole bunch of nonsense going on for two seasons, then kind of tried to set it up in like the episode before she genocides everybody, and then the episode, and then in the next time, in the previously on on the episode where she does genocide everybody, they try, try barely try even more by having like a supercut of all the negative statements people have said to her, uh, kind of play in her face with she looking all haggard, and you're like, the okay, shirt doesn't okay. match those and shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're trying. They're I'm really not gonna tr- fuck you. You're my aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a very they they, they half ass it. They half ass a setup for her turn we only in the last episode prior to it, such that when this moment comes, it comes totally out of nowhere because we've got really no meaningful setup for it. So uh, sorry I cracked your yolk on your over easy eggs. Remember the mm. last the last among the last <laughs> character development things for Daenerys is you know, Sansa, we did a damn fine job. That's the level. That's the level of bad writing that's led to this point here. We did a damn fine job, Sansa, absolutely, as women ruling over these you things. Because those are things they would say in their in their mm-hmm. tongue. I uh, I I will say this. I felt like this last episode, the the one where uh, Danny goes goes buck wild on King's Landing, was probably my favorite episode in like two and a half seasons. Probably, sure. yeah. It's yeah. not even that good. It's just my favorite episode in the past couple seasons. If you take it out in isolation and remove it entirely from the context of this, the episodes which have previously come in these last two seasons, if you just like showed someone who had skipped the last two seasons for whatever reason, this episode, they're like, oh yeah, this turns out pretty cool in the end. I kind of get, and they would assume <laughs> they'd fill in the gaps yeah. of everything that's come between. It's like, they I do assume, a better job. Yeah, of I assume. Filling. Yeah, I assume that you know Danny has slowly gone insane over the course of these last couple seasons and all that shit, so that this makes sense. And in that context, yeah, it's a pretty good episode. And you know, I think you're right. I think the reason why this show, this episode particularly, was more enjoyable than any of the previous episodes is because they're finally now getting back into something that is remotely inspired and directed in some way creatively by George R. R. Martin. And that is the only hope that we have for this final episode of, of the entire series that it's actually going to be able to in some ways speak <laughs> to what George R. R. Martin had originally envisioned. Can you imagine what David did with the Weiss or the, the, the two fucking assholes with D's in their names? D&D. D&D uh, would have done with this ending had George R. R. Martin not given given them this this uh, this direction. It's like they would have had okay so everyone's going to defeat the White Walkers and then Cersei's going to be kind of a bitch but then they'll be friends in the end and then Sansa and Danny will be friends and then everyone will be happy and that's how they would have ended the whole series. Yeah I yeah Yes, absolutely. I think um, so. Once I, we got those pesky White Walkers out of the way, real quick. I talked to my mom about this because my mom was not a fan of Game of Thrones originally. She she just didn't know or care anything about it. And sometime around season six, I think she started watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she like went back and like 
fucking you know marathon the entire thing and like caught up and like finally and she she loves it she is 100 percent in and uh got a tattoo of the stark wolf i told you yeah straight up on the neck actually i told i told my mom that my guess about what's going to happen in the end and i think i said this on the show like way back right before the first episode started or right after the first episode was that daenerys is going to go bad john is going to have to kill her my thing now that i'm adding to that is that you know the the type of subtext that sets things up now that D and D are in charge of the writing is something akin to you'll be safe in the crypts. You'll be safe in the crypts. You should go to the crypts because that's where you're going to be safe when the guy who can make zombies out of any dead body shows up. You should go to the crypts. That's the subtext that sets shit up for the next episode when everyone goes to the crypts and the zombies come back and kill everybody. So with John having said a dozen fucking times, I don't want the throne. I've never wanted to th- the throne. I don't want to be on the throne. The throne is not the thing that I want. I guarantee you he's not going to get the throne because in the he, there's going to be a moment. Uh, Daenerys is going to try to uh, Dracarys him. He's a Targaryen. The fire is not going to work. He's going to have to kill her. That's not a bad idea. Thank I you very like much. That. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Uh, he's going to walk through the fire and have to kill her. She's gonna die in <laughs> just, like that. Is, just like that. Just she's gonna die in the process of all of this shit. She's gonna have destroyed the Iron Throne. And Jon Snow, who is both a Targaryen and a Stark, he is the song of ice and fire, is going to bring everything together into a new throne. A throne that is not built for and by the Targaryens, which is what King's Landing boy. was. Yeah. It's gonna be a lazy boy. Yeah. So my my point is I pitched this to my mom. Mm. I was like, this is what I think is going to happen. And like Kyle said many episodes ago, this show is now aimed at aunts and moms. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I pitched this to my mom and my mom was like, I don't know. They're really in love. And I was <laughs> like, <Whoa>! no, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a happy ending between the two of them. They're going to fucking escape onto some island. And and like, it's not, it's just now, now I know for a fact, like I was like, okay, you're right. Like you tell me what you think is the ending. I, I, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the opinions <laughs> of moms and aunts, their predictions about what will happen are more accurate than ours. Someone at this point. needs to do some sort of a poll about predictions from moms and aunts versus anyone else. And I guarantee you those are going to be much more successful guesses, much more accurate guesses about how this thing is going to go. So my question to you guys is. What do your moms and aunts think that is going to happen? In this I've, I've not episode? solicited opinions and predictions <laughs> yeah. yet, and sadly, it might be too late. It might be too late. Uh, but um, for those of you who are listening to this, it's 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 going to be too late. I'll put something up on my Instagram asking you guys to look at, like, ask your okay. parents, ask your moms and aunts what you think is what they think is going to happen, and we'll compare after afterwards. But if while you're listening to this. After the final episode has happened, after you've already gotten those predictions and compared your predictions to those predictions in terms of accuracy, do a little bit of thought for it. Tell me who was more right. I, I, my gut tells me moms and aunts are going to be a lot more right. Mm-hmm. Although I really do want to see her try and burn John down and John Targaryen his way out of a fucking dragon fire to just mm-hmm. stab her mm-hmm. or some shit. Yes. I think that they're not going to be together and happy in the end. I think that the po- there's a possibility of a darkest timeline where uh, Dana, you know, burns down King's Landing, destroys the Iron Throne, and sets up her other evil capital or something like that. Who knows? Because that's sort of what happened when the Targaryens first came. They burned Harrenhal and all that stuff, right. which was the equivalent of King's Landing in Old Westeros, and then built up King's Landing as the new Targaryen place. So she's 
Or I think it's mo more likely the case that she just has effectively, symbolically, and literally destroyed her family's legacy by destroying King's Landing there. <laughs> probably is going to kill the last dragon. The last dragon is probably going to fucking die. It has to. Uh, last dragon's going to die. And... Let's say, no I like this a lot. Yeah. You know, the and let's say both both symbolically and in reality destroyed the, the last yes. vestige of her family's uh, legacy. Exactly. Killed the last of the dragons, destroyed what her family built, destroyed the more whatever moral legitimacy she may have had to any of that. And as, as far as who sits on the throne in the end, I'm going to say Tyrion. Why not? I um, That's strong. Here's what I want to see happen. I want to see... Uh, Arya, because everyone's talking about, oh, well, she killed someone with brown eyes, blue eyes, and now she has to kill someone with green eyes, and Daenerys has green eyes. What so, the what? You haven't heard about this theory? That's, that scene, I, I haven't, I, it sounds really dumb, it's though. It's dumb it, enough to be accurate. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so I want to see that pan out, where she's, like, in the position to kill Daenerys, and you're like, oh, shit, it's going to happen, and Arya's going to kill her, and then... John's going to take the throne. It's going to work out, guys. And then instead, big old Drogon just fucking fries. Fucking fries, Arya. And because it was a Stark, Danny's like, fuck this. Gets on the, on the fucking dragon. Flies to Winterfell. Burns all those motherfuckers down. And she starts just anew. And that's how the show ends. That Everybody's dead. Awesome. That's a Stark. The only people alive are Unsullied, who can't mate. And <laughs> Daenerys, who can't mate. And... <laughs> That's it. And that's how the show ends. And you're just like, oh, fuck, the bad guy. Well, she was kind of the good guy, but now she's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. She won. And uh, yeah, it's a new era. Actually, no, I think the most likely outcome would be some variation, some poetic inversion variation on how everything got started with this conflict in Westeros, so, i.e. the Mad King oh. being stabbed in the back oh. by the Kingslayer. I, I thought you meant Arya oh. spots John and Danny fucking, and oh, then John yeah. pushes her oh, out of the shit. window. That, I thought that's you possibility meant too. Danny gets John pregnant, he has a miscarriage, finds dragon <laughs> eggs. And oh, okay. No, the way, no, here here actually would have been, no. He the, has a miscarriage. Here, here honestly, would have been a good way to lead things forward in the future here. You know when uh, Cersei and Jamie are in the basement about to get crushed by rocks yeah and cersei is like you know protect my baby whatever i was like oh shit i get what they're doing they escape in the underground tunnel mm -hmm. their baby survives and grows up on up foreign shores there and has dreams of taking back the iron throne such as when that baby grows to adulthood that baby sails across and then takes over to have you read the books the i have no. that too. is a storyline in the books there's another targaryen another male heir that's oh. on, in the western isles who's still alive and is making his way back. And at the end of the most recent book that comes out, he finally makes his way back to Westeros. Regardless, like absolutely not connected to Daenerys. He was like a hidden Targaryen that, uh, that survived the rebellion and has a better claim to the throne than she does. Damn, those guys made really? it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's pretty fucking crazy, right? It's Nuts. like you, it's like you and George R. R. Martin share a creative through line. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just yeah, it's it's an endless cycle of violence, blah blah blah, all that kind of crap. I, well, I, but I I, th I think most likely it'll be some sort of thing involving Bran in a Hodor hold the door type way that somehow uh, involves God damn kill, it. that somehow involves stabbing Dany in the back as the Mad King. Uh, somehow relating through time travel to her father being stabbed in the back I by think, the Kingslayer. I think it's going to be an Endgame-esque moment 
where we always we wondered like who's gonna wield the infinity gauntlet on the good guys side and it turned out it was like three different people ended up doing it i think we're gonna have multiple people sit on the iron throne at, at over the course of this episode and each one of them is gonna be fucked because of it Tyrion. There's a good chance that Tyrion is the one that stabs her in the back. He's being the hand. God damn. He's so fucking dumb now. Yeah, he's so dumb. Everyone is so <laughs> dumb know, now. Th- that's actually a good idea, though. He, uh, Tyrion is still technically on her side, even though, at least as far as she is concerned. And so that might give him a chance to redeem himself by basically mimicking what his now dead older brother, who you know is the person he loved most in the world and is now dead, uh, when he uh, basically mimics his older brother by stabbing the Mad King in the back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there's no way the version that I want to happen happens, because that would be good, right? Like, you think Tyrion's going to stab her in the back? She nukes that motherfucker. I bet you that happens. I bet you he dies before the end of the episode because he tries to finally redeem himself by killing her and she realizes and kills him or she finds out about jamie that he let him go either way i bet you she kills Tyrion. and everyone's listening to this after this final episode has already happened by the way so there's just 15 minutes of us speculating you know I what actually it. ended up happening my mom guessed it right they you know, they're <laughs> happy and in, in love in the end yep. <laughs> i would say i'm thinking Tyrion isn't gonna get off early i'm just saying that because effectively as far as george R. R. martin is concerned uh, Tyrion is the protagonist of the whole series. Mm. As far as George, R, George uh, as far as George R. R. Martin is concerned, you know, kind of a short, dumpy guy <laughs> who's not really never good athletically, not good with the ladies, but he's really clever and can talk a lot. I think Tyrion is the person he identifies with the most, point. and is basically his voice into the world. He imagines himself being as clever and witty as Tyrion and all that shit. God, they just did they did so many stupid things over the last couple seasons that did them no favors going into this yeah, one. I mean, there's a 100% chance that they start this episode and no one even acknowledges that she burnt down King's Landing. They're just like, "Okay, so what's next?" <laughs> God, I can't wait until I watch this episode and there's it's like an hour and a half long. I Lit. agree. I agree, guys. Keep us safe. Keep us safe from the assassins. I can't wait to watch this episode and see in like the 90 minute episode, there's like 27 minutes of like filler bullshit episode. Here's the thing. It's 90 minutes. They have to wrap up eight seasons of storylines. The last 35 minutes of it is going to be like the ending of Lord of the Rings. It's exactly, just positive, exactly. positive, 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 which means that the climax of the thing is only going to, it's going to happen like 45 minutes into the fucking I think so. episode. I, I, I would say, yeah, I'd say uh, at climax happens at an hour in, and then we have 35 minutes at least of, like of resolution. Denouement. Yeah. Denouement. Sure. Denou- I don't know, that, that's the correct. That's what that's called. Right. After end game happens and Tony Stark snaps his fingers, everything else is denouement. Spoilers. <laughs> everything else is, like a whole bunch of just wrapping up everyone's endings. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be 30 minutes of denouement, which means that really it's a 50-minute episode of of just as quickly and rushedly setting up, you know, Danny kills Tyrion, Arya tries to kill Danny as well. That doesn't go super well. Which by the way, when did Arya Stark go from she goes from like being super badass to just listening to what anybody else tells her to being super badass again to just listening. So it's like She's super badass, but she has to wait until Melisandre tells her to go kill the Night King. And she's like, oh, fuck, I, I realized that I can teleport again. That's totally something I forgot that I learned while I was blind. And then eh. she's like, I'm going to go fucking kill Cersei. And then the Hound is like, don't fucking kill Cersei. You're, you're wasting your time. And she's like, oh, God, you're right, person who tells me things to do. Now, who's the next person that's going to tell her something to do? And she's going to immediately go do it. John's you gonna see, tell her. Your plan- John's going to tell her. 
when writing your plans for yeah, yeah. your plans <laughs> for reversals and stuff of how characters behave, you can't just say, "Okay, Arya's behave this way the whole time." We need her to change how she behaves. So we'll just have a scene where she has a conversation with the person and they like persuade her and like, you know, five exchanges. Yeah, you can lines. imagine the the placeholder of the episode. They like write the episode and they're like, okay, so at the end of the episode, we know that we want to have slow motion Arya riding a horse out of the, the burning ruins of King's Landing. They're like, that's super sick, bro. This guy, get this guy a, get this guy a fucking a raise. But um, how are we going to get her to not kill Cersei since we decided that we need Cersei and Jamie to die together because they deserve a happy ending at the end of the day, right? And they're like, oh God, you're right. All right, let's just give me like five blank pages, fill it with, you know, open bracket, Arya changes her mind, close bracket, and just shove it somewhere in the episode. We'll figure it out later. We'll figure it out later. And then it was like three weeks before the season was supposed to start. They haven't shot anything yet. And they're like Okay, uh, fuck. Let's get her and the Hound in a room where we don't need any other characters. They can just be here on CGI, green screen, and uh, we'll just have them have some conversation that's going to just definitely change Arya's mind <laughs> and get her to, to not be the one who kills Cersei. How much of the shittiness that we're seeing is due to reshoots? Scheduling a whole bunch of reshoots because they put together their first edits and they oh shit guys well, this isn't working at all i don't know the exact we need a whole of bunch of here's we don't have much budget or time for these reshoots all we can do is have people sitting in chairs talking i, I, don't, I don't know i don't know what the exact answer to that is but i do know that they delayed this season for a year for the cited reason of we need to shoot more winter stuff because winter has come in westeros and the last time we were in king's landing shit looked like summer dog shit looked like summer dog so I'm pretty sure that year delay for more winter shoots was probably more of a year delay because they were like, God damn it. What is this trash heap you guys have turned in as the yeah, final have you, season? Have you guys watched the three minute video on YouTube of, uh, of, <laughs> of clips of all, all the like main characters being like, this is garbage, like pretending like the last season's good? Oh yeah. yeah, like interviews with yeah, the yeah. Act? Okay, I haven't and Yeah, it's to. definitely, there's a lot of uh, the one uh, with Peter shot Dinklage and is great. Is, uh, is great. Yeah. Either way, folks, I think we should just call it there. This is a great call episode. It. We did it. Kyle is still alive, by the way. Um, he right is there. he is currently eating his way out of a pile of dead hookers in the corner. Uh, he'll make it. You'll do this, Kyle. I believe in you, buddy. Uh, so <laughs> maybe next episode he'll be here. Uh, let's get our social medias out there, guys. I am at Cliff Bogart on the fattest Instagram account on the internet. Do your brothers too. And you can find Kyle Bogart on the most sensual Instagram account on the internet, though some would disagree. Which is at Mr. Kyle Bogart. At Mr. Kyle Bogart. 100%. You can find me at Chase504 on Instagram and the YouTubes. And you can find me at Arm and Hammer TV. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Um, if you're still watching, still listening, if you haven't left yet, uh, I'm going to have some pretty fucking cool um, designs ready for new shirts and merch and stuff like that uh, for pre-order only coming up pretty soon i think the goal is the goal is pretty soon because what i want what i envision is going to the crossfit games in august and actually seeing people wearing arm and hammer tv dope branded shit fuck yeah um so there's gonna be a a much easier way for you guys to support the show to support what i do support what we all do and uh, i hope you guys take advantage of that uh either way thank you so much we'll see you guys next time later